Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I'm going to tell you about the incorporation doctrine, which sounds like a bunch of boring shit, but it's not. It's really, really important. It's how the 14th Amendment and the Due Process Clause and all this BLM horse shit uh, starts to apply the states and becomes federalized in all these different ways. And the constitutional conservatives just lie to people. They just lie to them. And I just, I just can't stand those guys. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer, practiced for more than 30 years. In fact, I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer. And as a matter of fact, I'm a self-certified master practitioner and I have been for almost 20 years. There are very few people who have been certified by me to be a self-certified master practitioner. <laughs> All right, I'm just fooling around. Let's uh, go ahead and get the show started. So I thought I'd make a show about the 14th Amendment and all these so-called civil rights and all this crap that's been stirred up recently because people don't understand how far we are from the Constitution. All you hear about is arguments about the civil rights, the 14th Amendment, due process, all this made-up crap. The way it's taught, both in law school and history, and the way that the constitutional conservatives go along with it is just a total and complete lie. And it starts with this very fact, and that is that the 14th Amendment, which is the only way that the federal government has anything to say about this stuff, and the only way that the so-called Bill of Rights apply to states, was never properly ratified. <laughs> and I did a whole show on it, and people need to go listen to it because it's not a close case. And if the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified, then everything that flows from it is junk. Supreme Court, they have this thing called the incorporation doctrine. It's just something they completely make up and they claim that the 14th Amendment, quote, incorporated and therefore applied the Bill of Rights to the states. Well, that doesn't make any sense for countless reasons. Number one, the plain language of the 14th Amendment makes it very clear that this amendment has nothing to do with making sure that all the Bill of Rights now apply to the states and that the federal government gets to rule over that. It's, it doesn't make any sense. If they wanted to do that, then they would simply say that. But that's not what they say. And so I'm going to read this very short one paragraph that the 14th Amendment people call the Due Process Clause. I'm going to read the sentence or two before it so everybody has it so you know I'm not reading it out of context. Here's what it says. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Okay, so there's a difference between being a citizen of the United States and being a citizen of the state they reside. Those are all very different. They're all legal terms of art. Same with subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Those are also very particular terms of art. Here's the next sentence. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. Well, you would never use language or anything like that if you wanted to do that. It doesn't make any sense. It's not even close. You would just say, 
an amendment to incorporate the Bill of Rights and apply them to the states <laughs> or something along those lines. That's all you would say. No different than how simple the 16th Amendment is that screwed everybody and took out the direct uh, uh, taxation apportionment stuff. It's very simple. <laughs> this language is very specific meaning and it has nothing whatsoever to do with making the states now obligated to follow all the Bill of Rights. That was, doesn't make any sense. And this, of course, follows on the heels of the fact that the war was fought to hold a voluntary union together. That's a lie. The union was already broken apart. The southern states had voted to leave and started an entirely separate country. That's what had happened. Any concept of fighting to keep the union together is just an outright lie. The union was destroyed when the southern states voted to leave. They voted to leave. They formed their own country. The federal government went down there with Union soldiers, killed the people, and forced them back in. And then they forced them to execute the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, and the 14th was never actually properly ratified, though the 13th and 15th were. It's just that simple. But I don't want to get lost in the weeds because the case is much simpler than that, and that is, had they wanted to actually incorporate it and force the states to comply with it, this is not the language they would have used. And it's slam dunk proof of this is that in 1875, there was a case called the United States versus Cruikshank. And in fact, I've already spoken on it because it's a Second Amendment case. It's a gun control case where the court made it very clear that the Second Amendment did not apply to the states. It didn't apply to the states. It didn't apply to private persons and it didn't apply to the states. Well, 1875, everybody who's sitting on that court was around, alive, either a justice on the court or a very established lawyer or judge during the Civil War and when the 14th Amendment was passed. So if anybody was in a position to know what the 14th Amendment was about and whether or not it incorporated it into this uh, document where they incorporated all the Bill of Rights, they would have known. But the, that case made it very clear. There's no discussion of it. It's 1875. <laughs> In fact, you don't start getting these incorporation arguments for decades later. And then most of them start in the 1920s and 30s. That's when they start dragging it in in any kind of major way. So think about that. This idea that the 14th Amendment somehow incorporated all these different Bill of Rights into the Constitution and gave the federal government some kind of oversight, it's just totally and completely made up. See, it's just totally and completely made up. It's not even a close call. This is the part that always blows me away. These situations are always so blatant and obvious. Not only is the 14th Amendment never properly ratified, and anybody can go investigate it and see. Anybody can go investigate it and see. But on top of that, when the Supreme Court heard the case in 1875 with justices who were all living through the event and all fully familiar with what the 14th Amendment was about, they didn't find it had incorporated anything. <laughs> they didn't find it had incorporated anything. And on top of that, the idea of incorporation, which makes no sense anyway, isn't even full. Like you only have some, some of the amendments have been fully incorporated. Some have only been partially incorporated. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you need a case to tell you whether or not something's been incorporated or not? if the purpose of the 14th Amendment is to incorporate them. 
<laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but you have this whole line of cases about due process, both substantive and procedural, and what the different standards are, and what's been incorporated, what hasn't been incorporated, how it's been partially incorporated and partially unincorporated. It's, it's totally made up from beginning to end. And this is never brought up to people, and it's no part of the public discussion about this, all this wokeness and all this crap that the federal government's going to require and all these different lawsuits that pop up, the DOJ popping up everywhere, federalizing the police force based upon this whole concept. Everything about it makes no sense. Everything about it makes no sense. It's not consistent in any way with a consensual government. Nothing about the Civil War is. It's not even a Civil War because they weren't fighting for control of the same government. But the Bill of Rights does not give the federal government any authority to do anything. All it is designed to do is that prior to the time the states would allegedly ratify, they wanted to make sure that all these things were listed out. So there was no question that the federal government could not do any of these things. These were express limitations on the government. And the Constitution itself is supposed to be a constitution of enumerated limited powers. In other words, the government has to be able to go and point to something in the Constitution to give them the authority to do it. And then the first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, was supposed to reiterate all these different things that the federal government could not do. And the anti-federalists, of course, they argued that this was going to just create confusion and that the courts would ultimately start interpreting it as though they had authority unless it was limited in certain ways and that they would interpret these different amendments in different ways that would, in fact, grow the government's authority. And that's exactly what has happened. Just think of it logically. You are in a state, okay? You're in a state, and you want to make sure that you're protected from action by your government. Do you try to make sure that that protection comes from a government you have less control over, which is the federal government, or that protection comes from a government you have more control over, which is your own government? <laughs> which is it? Right? Of course, you want the protection to be the closest to your home. It has to be the most local. That's the one where you have the most control. That's the entire concept of federalism. The idea that the states were somehow drafting a document with this Bill of Rights that would somehow apply to the states and limit state governments makes no sense. The state governments are the easiest to control for the people in the state compared to the federal government. You don't need to get the approval or agreement of anybody from any other state in order to make sure that your state provides protection. But you have to get all this other agreement from all these other people if you want to take it up to the federal level. See, so it turns it's on its head. It doesn't provide more protection. It provides less. It doesn't provide more federalism. It provides less. It doesn't provide more power to the states. It provides less. Why would the states insist on having this list of things that provides them less power? It doesn't make sense. It's turned it on its head. And of course, prior to the Civil War, it was well known, the Supreme Court had held repeatedly, that the Bill of Rights did not apply to the states. So the only possible way that that could happen is through the Civil War amendments. And so on the 14th Amendment comes up, there's absolutely no discussion anywhere that talks about how the state's intention of ratifying that 
was to make the Bill of Rights apply to the states. There was no discussion whatsoever about that. Putting aside the fact that the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified. And I'm telling you, everybody needs to go listen to that episode because it's just clear as day. Once you hear the facts, there's no longer any question. That's why those facts are not taught. But just think about it. There's no question at all that to get the original Bill of Rights makes no sense that it would be an attempt to try to pass power onto the federal government. You wouldn't say, well, I'm not going to sign off on this unless I give the government more oversight over my state. I'm not going to agree to this power unless I give the government more. No, the entire purpose was to make sure the states retained more power. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, which the Supreme Court basically totally ignores, are right there as evidence. They're right there as evidence. But they're, again, they're no part of federal judicial jurisprudence moving forward. They're basically dead letter. They're ignored entirely. And so you are left with a situation where the original Bill of Rights makes no sense that it applied to the states. Everybody knew they didn't apply to the states prior to the Civil War. And therefore, after the Civil War, at some point, the court started claiming that they were somehow incorporating this and that the 14th Amendment somehow magically did it. But if you just look at the 14th Amendment, it was never properly ratified. And after the 14th Amendment was passed and in place, the Supreme Court itself in Cruikshank heard the case and it made it very clear that the Bill of Rights, the Second Amendment, does not apply to the states. And yet today, the Second Amendment is fully incorporated through this made-up system (laughs) so that the federal government's in charge of it. The federal government's in charge of it. And so this incredible, deep, fundamental lie is something that's perpetrated on the people and something that the constitutional conservatives who claim to be for your rights, they never bring it up. Just think how crazy this situation is where now a country that was supposedly founded on this idea of federalism with the states and more local government and all that kind of control and a very limited federal government somehow passes an amendment without any discussion at all that now puts the federal government through a Supreme Court that the states have zero say in, completely in charge of pretty much every aspect of whatever they do through the Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment due process clause. Think about that. Think how outrageous and sane on its face that is. And now think about the fact that the constitutional conservatives never bring any of this up. Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal man? (laughs) Well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. Think how outrageous and sane on its face that is. And now think about the fact that the constitutional conservatives never bring any of this up. They never bring any of it up. All they do is argue within this box that is a complete and total sellout of the people. 
It's a complete and total turning on its head the document itself and any of the, uh, the, the so-called amendments, putting aside the one that wasn't even actually uh, properly ratified. Even if it had been ratified, it wasn't intended to do what the Supreme Court has twisted it and turned it into. And why is that? Because constitutional conservatives stand around because they're controlled opposition and they allow that stuff to happen. And this is how the federal government has incrementally taken over more and more and more control over every aspect of everybody's life. And the constitutional conservatives, they don't ever speak any truth. See, they don't speak any truth. And so nobody knows any of this and nobody learns any of this in law school. So you don't learn it. All you do is you're trying to get a good grade. They just go around. They talk about the incorporation doctrine. All, and then they talk about how then they'll read these famous cases that supposedly do it. And all the August justice this and the August justice that. And all and Hurtado this and Map versus Ohio. And you just read these cases. You're just trying to figure out what is the what are the facts? What are the holding? And that's all you're trying to do. You're not trying to get an overview of how totally and completely bogus this entire narrative box we've been put in into is. And that's what I try to do here with my show is, is to try to show people that as long as you continue to argue within the box that the constitutional conservatives have given in, you're going to lose. See, because the narrative they set up, the system they've set up is that the federal government's in charge of telling you what the federal government can do and the federal government is in charge of telling the states what they can do because the federal government's the quote, supreme law of the land and somehow that also makes just Supreme Court opinions into the supreme law of the land. There's so many multiple levels beyond what the system was even originally set up to do that it's basically incomprehensible and unrecognizable. And yet, all these constitutional conservatives do is keep everybody inside this box talking about bad opinions and reading the, the opinion very carefully. And the opinions are stacked full of these Barnum statements. But think about what I've just told you in this episode. Just think about that, that I've given you the argument for why the Bill of Rights originally was clearly not something that the states would ever insist on and that no state would ever agree to. Nobody who's in a negotiation Okay, who's afraid of a big government and is hesitant to sign on to the contract, which is what these Bill of Rights were told were there to do, would then insist on having a Bill of Rights that gave the federal government more control and limited the state's powers. Nobody would do that. And that's why it was crystal clear prior to the Civil War that they didn't apply. How many people have ever understood and thought about the idea that if the 14th Amendment was actually designed to incorporate this Bill of Rights to the states, why wouldn't they just say it? Why would they have all these other things? Why wouldn't there be discussion about it? Why wouldn't I be able to go in to the archives and look at the different debates in the states and understand why would they be debating this? Why would the states somehow want to give up additional power and make the government in charge of oversight of their own state? Why would states get together and do that? Why? No states would get together to try to limit their own power. See, it doesn't make any sense. And if you just read the document, you read the 14th Amendment, as I did to you, that's not the wording that's there. It's not. <laughs> and so when the Supreme Court then, just a few years after the Civil War, here's a case that is dead on point. It makes it very clear. The Second Amendment has not been incorporated in through the 14th Amendment. It, it makes it clear that did not happen. It doesn't apply. 
Why wasn't there an uproar at the time in the states? How dare the Supreme Court do this? I guess we need another constitutional amendment after the 14th to make it sure that, that the Bill of Rights is fully incorporated and does apply to the states. There's no discussion like that. There's no outrage. Nothing happened. Why? Because what you're told about the incorporation doctrine is totally and completely not true. It is 100% a usurpation by the Supreme Court. That's all it is. They just grab the power. And the reason they're able to get away with it is because you have liberals on one side who want the power and controlled opposition in the form of constitutional conservatives on the other who simply pretend to be for limited government, states' rights, and individuals' protections. Because they put up the so-called fight that's too sophisticated for the vast majority of people who aren't lawyers to understand how this fight has been lost and why it is that we're never going to win this fight in this narrative. The narrative itself is false, and as long as you operate within it, you will lose. Our rights will constantly be eroded by a star chamber of jokers at the Supreme Court. And now they're talking about, quote, packing it with more. I already did a whole episode showing you the different court packing that went on, and guess who did it? The Republicans. I can't tell people often enough what a bunch of traitors they are. They are controlled opposition there to screw us, and they have been screwing us effectively the entire time they've been there since the Civil War. The country failed at the time of the Civil War. It is an impossibility to hold a voluntary union together with a war. It doesn't matter what the war is fought over. It's an impossibility. Whatever the Constitution was, whatever the voluntary union was, whatever went on prior to the Civil War, it ended. And we have not operated under a Constitution that's a voluntary union of states or citizens or anything else since that time. And all of the mischief can easily be traced to that period of time. The arguments I've given you here are simply, they can't be addressed, and that's why they aren't allowed to be discussed out in public. That's why the constitutional conservatives stick within the narrative, the little mainstream Overton window, and just argue about the language of the court and getting the right people on the court and all this other stupid shit instead of addressing, attacking the root of the problem, which is this, the Supreme Court has usurped all its authority and the constitutional conservatives have gone along with it. Because whatever the country was died in 1860, and the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified, and everybody who looks into it knows that. And yet, it's the foundation, the linchpin moving forward. And yet, when the Supreme Court in 1875 said, no, they didn't mention anything about incorporating all these things, there was no uproar. See? It's like the old Sherlock Holmes uh, deal, the dog who didn't bark. If, in fact, the purpose of the 14th Amendment was to incorporate the Bill of Rights, in 1875, when that Cruikshank opinion came out, there would have been an uproar. There would have been an uproar, but there was no uproar. The dog who didn't bark. <laughs> it was no uproar because that was not the intention. It's not the wording. It's not consistent. It's just made up. All of this civil rights shit is just made up crap based upon the 14th Amendment. It's all made up. <laughs> uh, it's just... It's just... It's very frustrating to me because... You know, I, I want to be able to tell people the truth because nobody apparently does. Most lawyers have never even figured it out because all they're doing is sitting around trying to figure out how to make money off the system. That's it. That's all they're trying to do. For whatever weird quirk, that's just not something that ever meshed with me. I just, the system didn't make sense. I wanted to understand it and I have figured it out. And now I tell people. 
<laughs> and the, the arguments I make, they're just, they, they can't be addressed. They just can't be addressed. It's airtight. Once you understand, once you see, you can never unsee. So, well, I hope you understand now this incorporation doctrine and what a load of shit it is. You know, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm Legal Man at US Law Review. They haven't kicked me off yet. And you can share my show and listen to my show. And if you want to be part of this project and help spread truth and tell people the truth, then, you know, sign up. Support my show through Patreon. And if you don't, then you don't, you know. I want to thank the people who are in Patreon, though, because they put their money where their mouth is. And it takes a lot of time to make the show. And they show their appreciation by that. And I give them a lot of bonus shows and material and stuff. But, you know, they do a lot of it. They do it just because they, they believe in the message and the project. So I appreciate that. Thank you. So I think I'm going to wrap it up there. You've been a great audience, as usual. And I hope everybody has a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time.